Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Thursday, July 13th. This is your FT News Briefing. Inflation has hit its lowest level in more than two years. And people are moving away from junk bonds. Plus, NATO wrapped up its summit yesterday, and things got a little snippy. This is not to say that Western support for Ukraine is flagging. That would be the wrong idea. But it, it, everyone is getting tired. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. The latest U.S. inflation numbers came out yesterday. The consumer price index fell to 3% in June, which is a full percent lower than it was in May. The cooler inflation report caused the S&P 500 to jump and Treasury yields to drop. I'm joined now by the FT's U.S. economics editor, Colby Smith, to talk more about the ins and outs of the report. Hey, Colby. Hi, Mark. On the surface, it would seem like we got an encouraging inflation report yesterday. How would you describe it? I think both on the surface and when you look beneath the hood, um, this is a good inflation report. Um, And speaking to various economists, it was tough to find points of concern in this reading. I think the the big question, though, is is whether this is the start, um, you know, of a string of more subdued inflation prints, um, or if this is perhaps um, just a a one-off and uh, not necessarily a sign that the inflation problem is is fully um, behind us. Was there a lot of concern over the strength of core inflation, inflation that strips out things that are more volatile, like food prices and energy prices? Yeah, core inflation has always been what policymakers and economists have focused most uh, directly on just because that's seen as the best kind of uh, indicator of where inflation is going from here on out. That's still relatively high when you think about the annual pace. Um, But if you look at the monthly gain in particular, it was only 0.2% in June. And that's the smallest increase in in nearly two years. Um, And in speaking to an economist about the kind of trend going forward, the expectation expectation is that not only for June, but for July, August, and September, we can expect core inflation to um, to steady at that level. So, Colby, do we have a sense of how this report could affect the way the Federal Reserve approaches interest rates? So that that's really the big question that I think um, economists are grappling with. Uh, we know that a July interest rate increase, um, you know, at their meeting at the end of the month is quite likely. I think the big question now is what happens after that point. Uh, there's a lot of speculation that the Fed could very well be done with the tightening cycle. Um, it squeezed the economy sufficiently to get inflation back down to 2%, and it doesn't need to do anything further. <laughs> regardless of, of where the Fed shakes out, we're likely to see them keep the door open to further interest rate increases at the next meeting just because they don't want to tie their hands. Colby Smith is the FT's U.S. economics editor. Thanks, Colby. Thanks, Mark. The U.S. junk bond market is shrinking. This is some of the worst-rated credit out there, and the high-yield market is now worth $1.4 trillion. Now, that may sound like a lot, but that's a 13% contraction from its high mark in 2021. Harriet Klarfeld covers credit for the FT. She says there are a few reasons why the junk bond supply is significantly smaller now. 
So if you go back to the beginning of the COVID crisis in 2020, as we know, the Federal Reserve slashed interest rates close to zero. And one of the things that happened because of that is companies issued lots of debt because it was very cheap to do so. Their borrowing costs were very low. And now here we are and interest rates in the US are above 5%. And it's just much less attractive for companies to borrow at those levels, particularly if they're risky companies, which tend to have to pay quite a lot more than, say, government. the government has to pay on its bonds. So on the one hand, we've had relatively less new issuance this year. We've also had quite a lot of companies get upgraded to what we call investment grade status in the bond market. So they're no longer in the junk bond market. People are also saying that private credit, um, which is a relatively new market, has been stealing some share away from the high yield bond market. Harriet says the junk bond market is still a huge one, but we should care that it's shrinking. There's an argument that with the sort of shrinkage or contraction of the junk bond market, there's just less stuff out there for investors to buy. And that's keeping prices in the market anchored at levels that could give full signals about the state of the U.S. economy. But it could also mean that there's further to fall for some companies and their bonds if we do suddenly get much more negative data about the sort of health of the economy, the economic outlook. This has been a mainstay of corporate borrowers for decades, this market. It's where lots of lowly rated US companies go to finance themselves. But because of that, it's also been used as one indicator of the sort of health of the US economy and and the outlook for the economy. Harriet Klarfeld covers credit for the FT. NATO finished up its two-day summit in Lithuania yesterday, and it was anything but dull. The meeting ended with some tense words between Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky and a high-ranking UK official. To recap what happened, I'm joined by the FT's defense and security correspondent, John Paul Rathbone, who's in Lithuania. Hey, JP. Hi. All right, so you're at the NATO summit um, as it's wrapping up. What are some of the biggest points that you can take away from this NATO summit? Obviously, there's been a ton going on. There has indeed. There's been a ton going on. And for one, Turkey approved Sweden's entry to the Defense Alliance. The group has also agreed a bunch of reforms that will almost increase the number of troops available to NATO by 10 times. So these will be rapidly deployable troops that can be moved anywhere at short notice. That'll be 300,000 troops. Then there's also the Ukraine issue, which has been the most emotive. Obviously, that was one that a lot of people were watching going into the summit. Um, what, What came out of it? The key issue has been the way that NATO will invite or not Ukraine into the alliance. And whilst everyone, including Kyiv, recognizes that the country can't become a member of NATO while there's a war going on. They were hoping for a firm invitation, a clear deadline, a clear timeline to when that would happen. And instead, it got kind of whiffly-waffly language. Um, The NATO communique, which has to be agreed by everyone, said that uh, NATO would invite Ukraine to join when its members agreed and certain conditions had been met. Now, JP, I want to highlight something that happened at the end of the summit when Zelensky blasted NATO's plan because it didn't carve out a clear timeline. And then the UK's defense secretary said in reference to Ukraine's military wish list, we're not Amazon. 
that was a quote. And basically, he's saying, we're not a retail operation, and please show us some gratitude. Um, JP, seeing this tension out in the open, you know, what do, what do you make of that? So I think this reflects that we're over 500 days into the war, and it's becoming a tough grind. The counteroffensive in Ukraine is stuttering against the Russian forces. The West is running out of ammunition stocks. Um, the West has been has plowed in like $170 billion of military and financial aid into Ukraine. This is not to say that Western support for Ukraine is flagging. That would be the wrong idea. But it, it everyone is getting tired. J.P. Rathbone is the FT security and defense correspondent. Thanks, J.P. Thanks, Mark. Before we go, Disney is keeping Bob Iger on as CEO for a while. Iger has agreed to stay in the role to the end of 2026. The entertainment group says this will give him more time to find his replacement. Now, you might remember that this is Iger's second stint as the head of Disney. He served as chief executive from 2005 to 2020 before Bob Chapek's brief and rocky tenure. Iger then reclaimed his CEO title last autumn. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com for free when you click the links in our show notes. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project... There's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.